Welcome to today's episode of Empowered, a perfectionist guide to imperfection, hosted by me, Miranda Lee. It's time to take back control of our lives, and it's time to write our own story. Remember, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Empowered, and today I'm going to be talking about my story. A lot of people... Um, you know, you, you, you see this image of me on social media, on Instagram, and while I am very transparent and vulnerable, like there's all these years of me growing up and all these, all these years of things that have happened that you guys don't know how it shaped me. And a couple people ask um, for me to share my story. So maybe you understand all the struggles and stuff that I've had before getting to where I am today because I'm very proud of where I am now. But my life has definitely been filled with a lot of ups and downs to get me where I am. Um, I'm going to do my best to try to, you know, cover everything and only talk about the important, interesting things, I guess. Um, I'll be talking about like my perfectionism, OCD, anxiety, my tick disorder, my past eating disorder and then my relationship with God. Um, So I was born 25 years ago. (laughs) So I was born to two amazing parents. My mom at the time was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad was in the Navy. So um, he was gone a lot. My mom had to do a lot of the raising, which, you know, is amazing to have two awesome parents but it kind of stunk that my dad was gone a lot, but you know, I, I feel like that is why who I am today is how I was raised. Um, I have an older brother named Patrick. He's 10 years older than me. And then um, I have a little sister who is three years younger than me. Um, We adopted her. Well, we started fostering her when I was four. Um, So she was one, she came into her life. Um, She had traumatic brain injury. She was beaten to a coma on her first birthday. Um, So she wasn't born to traumatic brain injury. She looks completely normal. But because of this, she had a lot of issues growing up and, you know, still struggles with a lot of issues today. Um, I don't don't think any of us knew what we were getting into when we adopted my sister. Of course, um, all the social workers and everything made it sound like, you know, it's going to be a little hard, but, you know, you can do this. And wow, were we, were we in for a treat with my sister? I love her to death, but man, she put us to work. And I feel like this is where like my perfectionism and stuff like started was because my parents, especially my mom had to deal so much with my sister that I didn't want to have, I didn't want to put any extra stress, any unnecessary stress on my parents. Because, you know, my sister, raising my sister was, oh my gosh, it was a full-time job for my mom. I don't know how she did it, especially with my dad being gone a lot. And my brother was 10 years older. So, you know, he moved out when he was 18. I was 10. Um, So my sister's had a lot of behavioral issues. Um, She had so many doctors and therapists. Like, it was multiple appointments every day. Um, Went through a lot of stuff with her. So I just felt like, 
you know, I was the good kid. I was a good child. So I needed to stay the good child. So, you know, I went to school, got good grades, never got in trouble. Like I was pretty much a goody goody my whole life. Um, So I feel like that's where a lot of like my perfectionism comes from is from growing up with my little sister. Um, So, yeah, Uh, I always did well in school. Like I said, I, if anything, like, of course, my parents expected a lot from me, but I feel like I expected even more. Like, my parents loved and supported me no matter what. But um, it would be like, I'd come home with my grade and they'd be like, well, great job. And I'd just be like a mess that, like, I got a B or something like that, or I didn't get an A on my test. And they were just like, you know, you're doing great. So, I don't know. I just had all this pressure on myself it probably like just started from you know being younger and wanting to be like the good kid but then like it just turned into nothing was good enough and I needed to be the absolute best that I could be um so my eating disorder obsession with food and stuff probably started in the fifth grade um I feel like you know there's nature and nurture like how you were raised, but then also um, just like who you are inside of you, like the nature of yourself. Um, My mom and I, like you heard in the previous episode, we started running the summer after fifth grade, right before sixth grade, but I definitely struggled with my weight. I was a really chunky kid, um, you know, my whole life. I had my kindergarten crush tell me that, that I was fat. And that's kind of like when it started. And I was like, dang, Um, so when I got to the fifth grade, I just, I don't know. I just, I've always had this all or nothing mindset. Like I've went into things like, like completely full force. Um, I just remember, I don't know. My mom like put me on like this little like soup diet, which like you got to remember at the time, like this was like a little less than 20 years ago. Like the whole health thing was kind of new and everyone was trying to figure out the best way like to be healthy. So, you know, I was a chunky kid. I had, I had really bad genetics. Um, so, you know, I had to, I had to put in a little extra work. Um, but a lot of it, like my mom would give me a, like some things that she'd be like, all right, this is your healthy lunch you're going to eat. Um, and this, you know, we're going to run. But then it's like, I took it to this whole nother level. Like I remember I was allowed, so my mom would pack lunch for me every day, but then on Fridays I was allowed to buy lunch at school. And I just remember I always picked the salad. I always picked the chef's salad. I never got the pizza, never got anything good. I always got the chef's salad. So I felt like I had to be healthy. And then I even remember every day in the sixth grade during lunchtime, I would run the track. So while most kids were outside playing, I was running the track. I would run a mile a day, um, at least at school. And then, you know, me and my mom would run at home. And I just, I went into the sixth grade and I, you know, I was, I lost about 20 pounds, you know, for being that young, pretty good amount. I was finally smaller. Um, But I don't think I... I like appreciated it. You know, it's like, if you don't love yourself at one weight, you're not going to love yourself at a smaller weight. So I think I still had some, some insecurities there. Um, 
I went into seventh grade, you know, went into middle school. I hated middle school. I just, I struggled a lot. Um, my tics actually started in the seventh grade, I remember. Um, and I've been, I've been an anxious kid for a long time. Like I remember in, like in the first grade, like kind of having like little anxiety attacks in school. Um, but in middle school, that's when my tics started. I didn't understand them. Um, I don't think I really talked about them. I think my mom noticed them and just thought it was like my anxiety. So she'd be like, you know, like breathe, it's okay. But like, I couldn't control them. And I remember um, it would be super quiet. We'd be taking a test. I couldn't control my tics and I was just freaking out because you could hear them in a, in a quiet classroom and you had to be quiet. And knowing that you can't do it just made me like have to do it even more. So that was a really big struggle. Um, so I don't know. I just never, like I, I had these tics. I never really knew like what they were or why I had them, but then also didn't know if they like, were abnormal I guess it was just like part of who I was and I didn't understand them so when people like would ask me about them I would just be like I don't know like I just hum or I just do this or I just do that and um depending on different anxious moments sometimes my tics differ um even like right now I'm kind of <laughs> I'm kind of struggling um like I remember in middle school I think I I was at my little sister's Girl Scout troop meeting and I was just, I couldn't help but like blink a lot and I couldn't stop it. And I remember someone telling me like, hey, stop doing that. That's weird. And I was like, I can't, like I'm trying, trust me, I'm not doing this just for fun. <laughs> couldn't control it. Anyways, so I went to high school. I um, I joined the cheer team and the swim team and the dive team um, I think I tried track, but I was like, you know what, this wasn't for me, but I was um, in a running club with my mom um, outside of school. So I was just doing all these things. I was never bullied. I was never bullied in high school, but, and I, that's because I could hold my own. I never like let people bully me, but some of the girls were definitely mean to me, um, especially on the cheer team. I don't know. You think, you know, being in cheer meant you were popular. I was not the popular girl in cheer. I was just a strong girl in cheer. Um, yeah, I had a couple friends, but I wasn't pretty or skinny or anything. So people kind of mean to me. Some of the girls, they would, I don't know, it's the comments they would make. Like I would say something and they would look at me and be like, no one cares. And I don't know. I was pretty independent and confident with who I was as a person. So I would just be like, okay, <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's really unnecessary to say stuff like that. So I don't know. That was like, just like kind of weird. It was just a weird situation. Um, like I said, I was never the pretty friend. I was never the skinny friend. I was always the funny friend. I was pretty funny. Um, so all my friends were pretty and it was never, it was never me. I wouldn't say that it made me insecure because I guess I just like accepted it. Like it was just like, whatever, I'm not the pretty friend. I'm not the skinny friend. I'm just the funny friend. And I was okay with it. Like I knew 
like every time if I went out with friends, like the boys were going to like my friends and not me. Um, it didn't really bug me. I just think the only thing is later on when I finally started getting attention from boys, it was just like this whole new thing. And I was just like, well, any attention's good attention, right? Wrong. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> but I guess it's the only re- way it kind of, it kind of affected me. And, you know, it still kind of affects me now if I ever, like, get any attention from boys. I'm just like, whoa, whoa, me? Me? I'm still, I'm still the, the chunky, ugly, like, seventh grader like that's how I I'll always somewhat view myself and it's definitely something I've, I've worked on I I'm very confident and I'm aware but you know there's there, there will always be that piece of us that has like this this insecurity of like who we used to be so you know that's why you got to be your best friend you gotta do that positive self-talk all that stuff so anyways my first anxiety attack happened when I was 16 it was actually during um we were practicing for the homecoming routine. It was like this big thing. It was for cheer. Um, there was so many people we were doing. We were doing it. I just remember breaking down on the floor, just crying. And it wasn't that I was nervous. Trust me. I like getting in front of people and talking, dancing, doing whatever. Like I do not have stage fright. Never have. <laughs> but I don't know. Like I don't know why that was the moment I had an anxiety attack. But it was the first anxiety attack. I've ever had like full blown like that I was just on the floor like I couldn't breathe and it was just it was just crazy and then it was just kind of the beginning of of a lot of them I started having more anxiety attacks um I was still having my tics and my OCD and people would point them out and ask about it um still didn't really have the answer it's kind of weird because um after you know you know, when you think something's wrong with you and you Google on the internet and it tells you all these things that could be wrong with you, but actually came across like Tourette's and I was like, I have Tourette's. Like, I know I do. This is the only, it's the only thing it could be. And I knew what it was. And I remember going to my parents crying, like I have Tourette's and they're like, no, you don't, honey. No, you don't. And then I was just like, okay. And it wasn't even until literally this year that I was like, officially like, they were like, you have Tourette's, the doctor. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, I knew that, but but I guess it's cool that it's official now. I mean, I don't really like saying Tourette's. I just say it's more of a tick disorder because it is related to my OCD. But I don't know, just now that like I officially know what it is, it's like I can own it better now and I'm not embarrassed of it. So if people, most of the time, if people point it out, it depends how you point it out. Like never come at someone. I I've had some people come at me. Like, if you just want to be curious and ask about it, like, I will talk about it. I'm totally cool. But when people are just like, why are you making those noises? Why are you humming? Why are you nodding your head? Like, I don't know. It just, I'm just like, yo, don't come at me. I don't even know I'm doing it. So, I don't know. Just, just be kind to people if you don't exactly know what they're doing. Um, So, anyways... Uh, my weight fluctuated a lot in high school. Um, and every time I lost a bunch of weight, people, you know, compliment me telling me I look so good. Um, I'd wake up early every morning. I would go and I would swim at the YMCA with my coach from 5am to 6.30am. And then I'd go to school, you know, school started at like 7.10. 
And then after school, I'd have a couple hours of cheer practice and then maybe later swim practice. And then I would go to the gym and I would lift. Um, I, everyone just thought it was so great how much I worked out. I was just always working out. People were just like, wow, you're so dedicated. And I'm just like, yeah. And I just was obsessed with it. Um, I tried every diet you can think of, like the South Beach diet, Nutrisystem, intermittent fasting, keto, everything. Did all these diets. Um, guess what? None of them work long term. So if, you, if you're the type of person who keeps trying different diets, stop. It's not worth it. Really affects your mental health. You like anything that says like you'll lose a bunch of weight in such a short amount of time. Like, first of all, a lot of it's water weight. Second of all, the process to do it is probably going to make you miserable, hands down. (laughs) And it's not something that's going to be long-term. So what's the point? Everyone wants a quick fix, but the answer isn't a quick quick fix. Um, So yeah, my weight fluctuated a lot in high school. Um, I ended up going to college, went to Point Loma Nazarene. Um, I continued to struggle with my weight. I remember going in as a freshman and I was kind of chunky. So then the, um, the summer after freshman year, um, I lost a bunch of weight. I was working out like four to five hours a day. I was barely eating. Like I was, I was not eating a lot. Um, and yeah, I lost a bunch of weight. Everyone, you know, of course, was super proud of me. They're like, wow, you look so good. Um, then I, I joined, I joined a boxing gym, MMA gym. Don't get me wrong. I fell in love with it. It was so empowering, and whenever I do things, I like to do them competitively, so then I joined the boxing team, started training for fights. Um, honestly, this this was where my eating disorder got worse, but people didn't notice. Like People were still cheering me on because they thought I was just doing great. I had to train for a fight where I had to lose 30 pounds in a month and a half. Um, I did it. I was still training like four to five hours a day. I was running. I wasn't eating. I was probably eating 800 calories a day. I didn't eat past 6 p.m. The only carbs I ate were rice cakes. I was also working a lot, almost full-time, while going to school, while working out. And then my, I was a lifeguard and swim instructor, so I was in the water. And in between classes, I would swim laps, you know, I'd stay after, go early to, you know, go on the treadmill, lift weights, everything. So I lost, like I said, I lost 30 pounds in six weeks. Um, before the fight, the day before the fight, we had these unofficial weigh-ins. I was more like um, for publicity and pictures and all this stuff. So it was at um, like this club d- downtown, like on the, on a rooftop bar so all these people were there the pool party thing they had um but all the fighters you know went there to weigh in in front of everyone and get pictures so I go I weigh in and I'm up there on the scale and the announcer says my weight I'm proud of myself you know I just lost 30 pounds in such a short amount of time like I look good everyone said I look good and the announcer turns and looks at me and says you need to lose more weight by tomorrow like this is not okay and then I was like, okay, yes, sir. You know, you got it. I will. Um, didn't eat for the rest of the day. I didn't drink water. Um, I got up early to go run on the treadmill and sit in the sauna, run on the treadmill, sit in the sauna, 
back and forth, finally lost, I think like five more pounds, um, weighed in. I was so hungry after the weigh-ins that I just, I ate, I ate too much. I, I, I did. I was so hungry. Um, but with the whole all or nothing mindset and like an eating disorder, like, of course, anyone would be hungry after, you know, cutting for a fight and being thirsty, but it's just like, like eating past the, like I'm full. So I went into the fight and I remember my stomach hurt so bad. (laughs) No one knows this, but like I was fighting and my stomach hurt and I was just uncomfortable and I won the fight heck yeah, it was super fun. Um, I met my husband um, a little bit before the fight. And so we started dating. So he, he met me when I was like, super skinny. And then after the fight, I kind of gained some weight back, of course. And he didn't even like, he didn't notice he didn't fit. He wasn't phased. He loved me at, you know, all shapes and sizes I was. Um, But then I'd go back to practice and I just remember, like, don't get me wrong, like, the fighting world, yes, you do have to lose weight, so I feel like anyone else, you know, I know a lot of people who are in the fighting world, and they lose weight, and it's just part of their training, and that's, that's great that they can handle it mentally and emotionally, but, like, I struggled with an eating disorder that no one knew about, so I, I get hurt, so I remember going back to practice, and in front of, and in front of everyone, the whole class, um, my coach said that I gained weight and that I needed to lose weight. And then he guessed how much I weighed. Um, I don't know. It was just, it really hurt me. And I was just like, dang, like I'm not worthy unless, unless I'm smaller. So it just, it was just this whole up and down struggle. Um, I didn't tell anyone about my eating disorder until Taven. Taven was the first person who I ever opened up about it with. Um, he really pushed me to get help and I did. And it wasn't until 21 that I finally decided to like address and fix my eating disorder. Um, I, it was definitely a long process and it's not like progress isn't linear, definitely up and down roller coaster, but he was, you know, with me all the way. And then, um, I actually didn't tell anyone else about my eating disorder until about like a year, year and a half ago. Like the first person I told was my mom. And then I started being a little more open about it once I finally like accepted it and, you know, was doing better with it. Um, so after, you know, after I graduated college, I moved to Charleston with my husband because that's where he was going to school and where I was going to school. Um, my anxiety got really bad in Charleston. I don't know why. I mean, it could be because I just moved across the country for the first time (laughs) by myself. Um, I don't know. My anxiety got really bad. My tics were getting really bad. I went to a therapist and ended up putting me on anxiety medication. My whole goal my entire life was that after I graduated with my master's, I would join the military as an officer and make a career out of being in the Navy. Um, it turned out that you cannot join the Navy unless you are not on medication, on anxiety medication, I mean. And so it was just kind of like, oh, crap. So after being on the anxiety me- medication, I was like, I have to get off of it. And you have to be off of it for a year before joining. So I got off of the anxiety meds, um, trying to stay off. And my anxiety just got so bad again. And 
my OCD was really bad. My tics were really bad and I just couldn't do it. I had to get back on my anxiety meds and then, you know, I, I couldn't join the Navy. So like my whole like life was kind of flashing before my eyes. Like I thought I was going to join the Navy. I thought I was going to do this and that, like, what am I going to do with my life? So then I started having like, you know, this identity crisis. But anyways, um, I thought I was pretty recovered from my eating disorder. Um, a lot of you guys know I was counting my macros every day, working out, training for powerlifting. Um, I I was definitely doing a lot better. My relationship with food was a lot better, but it was I was still struggling with the all or nothing mindset. Um, counting my macros, like even when I would go out on vacation, I count count my macros, and then for days that I wasn't on my macros, it was just which was very rare. Um, like, you know, like example, like on my wedding day, like I didn't count my macros, but you know what, on my wedding day, I did get up super early and go for a run and get a lift in and get my exercise in. Cause I had to, uh, yeah. So recently, well, during quarantine, I decided that, um, I don't think counting my macros was going to be healthy for me. I think it works for a lot of people. Don't get me wrong. Some people thrive counting their macros. Um, I did for a little bit. I thrive counting my macros, but I just couldn't do it anymore. So I decided that I'm going to start focusing on intuitive eating and, you know, fixing my relationship with food. And, um, you know, I've, it's just, I know this is going to be a lifelong struggle. Um, I know that I'm going to get to a point where it's not even something I have to think about often. It'll always be something I struggle with a little bit because, you know, it, it is an addiction. And addiction is not something that you can just get rid of. It's something that you're always going to have to deal with. Um, so I've, you know, I've started, I have a therapist that I see since I moved to Connecticut. We moved to Connecticut a little over a year ago. I started seeing a new therapist, you know, since I moved and, you know, just helping me a lot. I've just really this past like year, I've dedicated so much time to like my mental health. I've been reading just a bunch of self-help books and just trying to fix my weaknesses, like my all or nothing mindset or um, just like my obsession with working out or my obsession with eating healthy um, or my obsession with my reputation. A lot of my closest friends and family know that I, I hold really tight to my reputation, which is also why um, I do work out as much as I do. I mean, it's something I've, I've, I've worked on and trying to find a healthy relationship with it. Once again, like, I, I like, I know that I've, I've done so much. Like I've made leaps and bounds of progress, but I'm not done. I don't think we're we're ever going to be done because you know I'm never going to be perfect. I think we should always be bettering ourselves, but also giving ourselves like that grace where you don't always have to be the best. You know, like I, you know, I still work out every day, still eat healthy, but personally, I don't think I'm at my fittest. I was at my fittest when I was training for my powerlifting meets, now it's counting my macros. But I think I love myself more now than I did then. I mean, I loved myself a lot then. Um, 
I was in a good place mentally then, but I think I'm in an even better place mentally now. And I just need to remember, like, I'm not always going to be at my best. We, it's impossible to always be at our hundred percent. Like whether it's mentally, physically, career-wise, anything, we're, we're going to go through these ups and downs. We're going to be at different places in our lives. Like th- different things are going to be important. Like during quarantine, our physical looks and, you know, fitness might not be our top, top priority, but our mental health is. And I feel like that was something for me. And, you know, moving into different phases of our life, like different things are going to be important and different things are going to be our number one priority. Like we can't have all these things that are number one priority. Like it's impossible and it's just going to burn us out. So that's something, it's something I realized, um, especially now, cause you know, I'm starting my own health coaching business, you know, and I want, I want people to have a better relationship with food and, and exercise and just their mental health and their relationship with themselves. I want them to, I just want to help them and, you know, they can learn from my mistakes instead of going through this, you know, 25 year journey that I've, that I've been in. Um, and I just know right now, like that is my goal and that is my focus and I'm giving it my hundred percent. And it has been hard because I do want to train for a powerlifting meet. You know, I, there are different things that I want to do. And I've told myself right now, my priority is my business and my mental health. And don't get me wrong, I'm still working out every day and um, just, you know, eating healthy and doing my best, but it's not as intense and I give myself a little more, a little more grace um, if I do, you know, make some mistakes. But we just really have to accept that we are in, we have different priorities in different times in our lives and it's something that we just need to get used to. And we just need to let ourselves breathe. Um, so yeah, that's, that's basically my story. I tried to cover everything. I, I'm trying to be a lot more vulnerable and open now than how I used to be. You know, I used to keep, I used to keep everything to myself. Um, I don't know. I just wanted this picture of, I wanted people to view me a certain way. So that's why I would keep a lot of things under wraps and not talk about it but my husband really does bring out the best of me and he does make me want to be better and he just loves and supports me no matter what you know he's (laughs) he's held me while I've cried and bawled my eyes out he's stopped me while this is kind of hard to talk about but he's stopped me from just scratching my arms out until they bled because my anxiety was so bad and I just wanted to feel something else. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that I've, I've been through and a lot of things that you guys have been through too. And, you know, your mental health and relationship with yourself is number one, but you also need to make sure that you are surrounding yourself with supportive, loving people. Like you have the power to, let people into your life or to not let people into your life. So if there's, if there's people in your life or maybe different relationships or different things, like even like maybe work or hobbies that, that don't bring out the best in you. I think this is something that we need to acknowledge and, and not leave that space in our life for that negativity. That's going to hurt ourselves mentally. 
I mean, like I said, our relationship with ourself is our number one and our most important because we are our only person that we will have um, ourself our whole life and God, our relationship with God. I think that's, I haven't, I didn't talk about it during this time. So I guess I'll talk about it now, but you know, I was, I was born in, into a Christian household, Christianity. You know, I always believed in God. I always had a relationship with God, but I felt like I, I kind of took it for granted and I saw it more as a routine instead of an actual relationship. And I feel like what's definitely helped me now with my mental health and my physical health is knowing that, you know, God created me for a purpose and he created me in his image and I'm his beautiful child. And for me to be so hard on myself and talk bad about his child, why would I do that? Why, why would I be mean to one of his creations? I wouldn't be mean to like my friend or my family member, but yet it's okay to be mean to myself. It's not. So just remembering that like, God created us in his image and, you know, we, there's no one else in the world like us. We are truly one of a kind. So you need to remember that. And, you know, just putting God first in my life and making that time for Bible reading has been, it's been a a big step and just definitely helped me mentally. And it's, it's helped me give myself permission to be imperfect knowing that like none of us are perfect and it's okay um so yeah that's my story uh I hope you guys were able to relate to it somewhat and now that you understand that just because I'm living the way I am now that it didn't just come easy to me um it was a journey we all are in different points in our journey we just need to be okay with it and to just breathe and let herself let herself just live live our lives without the pressure to be perfect i will see you guys in the next episode thank you for joining me um feel free to reach out to me on instagram at this is miranda lee um reach out to me for health coaching or if you just have any questions or you just want to say hi that's cool too thank you for joining me you guys bye